everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. I hope that you all had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. We had a great weekend, and I can't believe it's already June 1st. We are in for such a treat with so many incredible guests coming on How'd She Do That podcast this summer. Just to give you a little inside scoop, this past week I recorded with a business owner, an interior designer, and a clothing designer. So many great conversations coming up. I know that you're going to enjoy them, so be sure that you're subscribed on iTunes so you don't miss all of the fun. It's going to be an amazing summer with HSDT. Well, I can't think of a better guest to kick off the summer and the month of June than today's guest, Chloe Epstein of Chloe's. Chloe is the queen of all things healthy, delicious, frozen treats. She's going to cool us off this summer, and I am so excited for you. If this is your first introduction to Chloe's, you're welcome. This is going to be your favorite treat this summer, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing the full story behind Chloe's brand and business. Before we dive into today's episode, many of you have seen the announcements I've been sharing over on How'd She Do That podcast or my personal Instagram, Emily Landers, about the summer product that we have coming out. So we have a secret shop that is now live, and I'm going to do a bonus episode soon to share more about what this product looks like. It's an amazing product for summer. I haven't given much away, but it is awesome and I'm so excited to share my designs and thought process with you all so stay tuned for that thank you guys so much for being just as excited about that as I am and again thank you so much for tagging us on Instagram we love seeing who's listening if you haven't left a five-star review on iTunes yet we'd love for you to do that as well well without further ado enjoy this conversation here is Chloe Epstein on How'd she do that? Today's guest, Chloe Epstein, is the founder of Chloe's, a healthy popsicle and soft serve fruit company based in New York City. After searching unsuccessfully for a clean, frozen treat while pregnant with her first child, Chloe created a solution that satisfied her sweet tooth and offered transparent, vegan, and allergen-free ingredients, just fruit, cane sugar, and water. Chloe left her job as an assistant district attorney to start Chloe's Fruit and opened her first location in 2010 on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. While Chloe and her team originally started as a fruit-based soft-serve shop with locations in NYC, nearly 10 years later, Chloe's Pops are in grocery stores nationwide and has been highlighted in publications like InStyle, Adweek, and Forbes, to name a few. When Chloe isn't overseeing her business, speaking with women like myself, she is likely enjoying time with her family, which includes her husband and three kids. Chloe, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you. That was quite a comprehensive intro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to dive into all of the details. There's little pieces in that intro that I'm like, okay, left her district attorney role to start this, and I'm ready to dive in. I need to hear all about it. I'm so excited, and thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Happy to be here. 
Uh, well, let's dive in. I have so many amazing listeners that are recent graduates. We've got empty nesters. We've got young moms. We have everybody tuning in today to listen to your story. And I love to begin with my guest at the beginning. It would be awesome if we could even go back. I'd love to hear a little bit about where you went to school and perhaps what you majored in. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't been asked that in so long, so I'd love <laughs> to go back that far. Um, I went to Tufts University. Um, I majored in political science, and I actually minored in theater, oh. which, you know, at this point in my life seems totally crazy, <laughs> but um, that was that was me at the time. And then I went to law school at um, the Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law in Manhattan, oh. and um yeah, that was that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so fun to hear because it's such an encouragement. I think when we hear someone like yourself who has a law degree, went on to be an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, let's break down these steps because thinking about what it could look like to, to step into what we now see as Chloe's, it's amazing. So tell us a little bit, I guess at the time when you were in law school, tell us about what kind of law you, you thought you might be doing and, and maybe what that first role out of school looked like. Um, so in law school, I, I um, quickly became fascinated with criminal law and mm. being in the courtroom. I think maybe, you know, the, the theatrical kind of bug that I had um, oh. maybe had, a, had to do with the fact that I loved the courtroom. Um, but throughout law school, I really tried to look for um, just relevant experiences that would get me a little more uh, familiar with what that would entail. And so um, I would say my first experience was I worked at something called the Innocence Project, oh. um, which was where we worked to help exonerate wrongly convicted individuals through um, the use of DNA testing. Wow. And um, that was an amazing and a very rewarding experience. And so I wanted to see the other side. Um, you know, that was more on the defense side. I wanted to um, kind of, I worked for a judge um, in the state Supreme Court. And then I interned at the DA's office. And um, I just loved the energy of the office. And I loved being a part of the criminal justice system. So after graduation, um, that's where I went. I went to uh, work as an assistant district attorney in Manhattan. Oh. And every day was unbelievably um, unique and exciting. <laughs> and um, it was a true uh, learning experience. I mean, they throw you in very quickly. And um, I really loved that part of it. Oh my gosh. It's so fun to know where you are in your career and life now, but looking back and thinking of you being at the DAs and, and for those of you who, who may not know, could you unpack a little bit, like what did a day in the life as an assistant district attorney look like? And gosh, specifically in New York city. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it evolves pretty quickly because you start, um, you start with more of the misdemeanor crimes, then you eventually move on to the felonies and going into a grand jury, oh which gosh. is a totally different experience than preparing for a regular trial. But for the most part, the days were just like running around to, into court and, you know, standing up in front of judges, presenting your cases, a lot of delays, you know, um, your trials were always postponed and, um, witnesses don't show up and interviews don't go the way you think. But um, I think the, the the best part about being an assistant attorney is you have, um, you know, at your, you're able to decide, you know, what should go forward and what should not. Mm. Uh, so it's at your discretion, you know, if you feel that the evidence is not there. I mean, this is, this is for misdemeanors. Grand jury is totally different. Oh. Um, but at that point in my career, when I was starting, you know, you have to really evaluate your evidence and your your 
you know, the people that are going to make up the a potential um, case and mm-hmm. um, and decide how to how to take it. So there's a lot of discretion involved, and um, it was it was just truly exciting. Well, I'll, yes, I'll say. I mean, mm-hmm. just thinking of you running around doing that, and again, I, I mentioned in your intro that's actually a role you left to to begin close. But before we get to that element, tell us a little bit about what was happening, perhaps in your personal life in this season of life. I mean, you're working hard at the DA's office, but ultimately. Ultimately, you kind of are stepping in and thinking about what motherhood might be like. So tell us a little bit about what it looks like to make that transition. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I never expected to transition into starting my own business. Um, I was, I mean, just, I'm I'm not a natural born entrepreneur. (laughs) I am, I like having a plan. I like having a path. Um, And I think starting a business is really the antithesis of that. You know, you just never know what to expect and it's about taking chances and and not knowing what lies ahead. So that's definitely not my comfort zone and wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. But um, the idea for Chloe's was just something I couldn't kick and was just um, a part of my every day. It was um, something I just felt I had to do. Um, So, so as far as it being a plan, it wasn't, and it was, I, I didn't leave the DA's office cause I was unhappy. Mm. Um, I was certainly challenged, um, and it was fulfilling. It was more just that time of life. I was ready to make a change from that, that type of, um, uh, kind of career, um, for the time being. And then this, this idea just took over me and I couldn't kind of um, do anything other than think about it and try to figure out how to how to make it happen. Well, it's such an encouragement for, for those of you who are listening to hear, you know, that you would say, Chloe, you would say, I'm not necessarily a natural entrepreneur. I, I like a plan, not quite my comfort zone, but that this idea just came to mind and you couldn't shake it. So tell us a little bit about the beginning stages of the idea in and of itself. Tell us about what that season was like and what you were kind of fixated on. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll probably being, you know, that you have this podcast and speak to a lot of um, entrepreneurs, you probably hear um, time and time again that, you know, your idea should really solve an existing problem or fill a void. Mm. And and that's really what Chloe's was to me. I mean, I it resolved a basic everyday issue I grappled with, which was <laughs> feeding my intense sweet tooth. Um <laughs> you know, also being conscious of my healthy kind of inclinations and lifestyle. And back in the day, I was obsessed with frozen yogurt, <laughs> and like many, many of us were. And I convinced myself that it was the healthy alternative to ice cream. And um, <laughs> when I started, you know, having kids and when I was pregnant, and I really wanted to focus on eliminating the artificial ingredients um, from, from, you know, my so-called healthy alternatives. So (laughs) I wanted to create something that, you know, satiated my frozen treat craving, but without all the junk. And, um, that's really how it started. And it was so relevant to every part of my life because it was, you know, it spoke to the health aspect that I was so focused on to sweets and enjoyment. Mm. And then just the idea of a family and wanting to keep myself and my, my kids, um, you know, healthy and and still, you know, enjoying and indulging, but um, feeling good about it. Mm. Um, so that's really that's really how it how it started. And my um, my my business partner now, my co-founder, was my husband's best friend from growing oh, up. Oh wow! And we were super close. I mean, he's always been like my second husband, but he <laughs> he, he really really was. But my um. He was a triathlete at the time, and wow. he had 
a freezer full of open, over-ripened bananas that he didn't know what to do with. And he throw them in the freezer and let them sit, you know, not wanting to throw them out, but not knowing what to do with them. And he knew that I had, I was like fixated on this idea of, um, of something, you know, clean and alternative to frozen yogurt. And so we just started experimenting um, with the frozen bananas in every appliance in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> we literally threw them in juicers, Cuisinarts, blenders, whatever we could find. And, um you know, we, we became convinced that we could we could make this work. And we enlisted the help of a, of a restaurant consultant and a food scientist who um, eventually helped us get to, um, you know, like the Taylor frozen yogurt type of machines, those soft serve machines that you see in all those stores. We started experimenting on those machines and we had a food scientist who could um, help us calibrate the machines and, and figure out, you know, how to create the most simple um, recipe. Because the idea, well, wasn't really to be allergen-free or anything specifically free other than simple and clean. Mm. Um, so, you know, just use as few ingredients as possible. And um, being that I was coming from, you know, the DA's office and my partner was coming from finance, <laughs> we really didn't know what we were talking about. So <laughs> having those, having those, you know, um, experienced um, helpers, you know, really like helped get us started. So um, we started with fruit. We had to add water uh, to get it through the machine to dilute it. And then when we put it, um, the water and the fruit together, the sugar level drops and it would turn into like a block of ice in the machine. Oh. So we had to add, which we learned, we had to keep um, the sugar level, which called the, the bricks level um, at a certain level so that we needed to add some sugar back in. So we had fruit, water, uh, cane sugar, and that was it. Wow. And once we were able to figure it out with, you know, a few fruits, not just banana, because that's kind of the obvious one that everyone can can play with at home, um, we were like, okay, we're ready to open a store. And, uh, I, you know, I just wanted it to be near my apartment so that I could bring my kids in there yes. and their friends and, and, you know, have something in my arsenal. Like when we saw the ice cream truck run by, like I, I wanted to be able to say, no, you don't need that, but we'll go here. And, <laughs> And that's like where, you know, that was the vision. Um, it was to really uh, provide this um, alternative and make it accessible to as many people as possible. Um, but we, you know, we started with that one store. And then along the way, we opened up a pop-up in in the Hamptons in New York, outside of New York, Long Island. Yeah. Um, we opened another shop downtown. And um, we started getting into food service, which was important to me because, like I said, I wanted to make it, you know, more accessible to, to kids and try, you know, we got into schools and camps and corporate cafes and entertainment venues, but it was all with this mix and you needed a machine. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, it's limiting, not, you know, not many places have machines and, I was going on, um, a, you know, the View on a, a, a television show um, to promote the brand, mm -hmm. and we wanted to do something a little different. So we decided to put the mix in a um, popsicle mold and see what happens. And so we, you know, we got, we made some pops with the same ingredients, <laughs> and they were cute. And we wrapped them in cellophane and we tied it with, you know, a bow. And we put the extras in our standalone freezer in the store. And a big camp in the city came in and ordered 5,000 pops. Oh, and we were making them in like a, a, you know, a mold that had like, we could make six at a time. Oh. So 
um, we suddenly, you know, we were suddenly in the pop business and um, it was great because we were able to get these single serve pops into the hands of more people more easily at camps, at schools. And, and that was always really just the idea. And so um, I'd say that was, you know, you know, a few years in, and then by 2014, um, we kind of shifted into the consumer package good um, and making our pops available in boxes and in supermarkets. And and now that's really the the focus of the business. Oh my gosh, there's so <laughs> much to unpack. That is so fun, Chloe, to hear. I mean, I, I've heard the this story from just reading it, but to hear you actually share, this is what was happening. This was my idea behind it. I mean, this is so fun. And, and just a quick side note, you guys, I've tasted these pops and they are delicious. So to know the story behind them, I feel like so connected to my new favorite summer treat because Aww. it's just so fun to hear and so crazy because it almost sounds like that was something that uh, just came to mind. It was going to be easy for the show. And then lo and behold, I mean, gosh, for a camp to say, okay, we need these. Now, I want to backtrack just briefly. What year was it that your first store on the Upper East Side opened? That was in 2010. Okay, Um, wow. We opened in the summer of 2010, like um, on the Upper East Side. And, um, you know, we we were definitely contemplating opening more stores. We went to LA to look, we were, we were always, you know, that was, that was the trajectory. Um, but we opened the one downtown about a year later. Um, and that was a a great location for us. And that's our, still our existing stores in union square in Manhattan, the upper East side one, we subsequently closed. Um, Uh there was a ton of construction, Uh um, for for like over two years in front of the store and it was like diverting traffic away from our our oh. storefront and we saw that the the you know the downtown one was doing so well um so we kind of cut our losses and we um you know we focused on the downtown one um and like I said in the interim we had opened a pop-up shop in um the Hamptons uh for a few summers um so fun yeah. Well, it's so fun to hear. And two, to think about, okay, opening up this store, doing the pop-ups, thinking through what what could be next. I, I love too, and I'm even backtracking, thinking about you and your partner and his love of health through being a triathlete. That's no joke <laughs> there. So for right. you guys to be figuring out, I mean, you're not only figuring out recipes, you're bringing in like a food scientist, you're bringing in specialists. Then you go to doing a brick and mortar. So not only are you kind of becoming an expert in all things healthy treats, which you love, but I'm guessing you kind of moved into being an expert into, I mean, marketing. You've got to think of the color scheme. You've got to think of font. You've got to think of branding. What did it look like to kind of, did you build a team around that? What did it look like? Because again, you guys, if you're not familiar with Chloe's, the the marketing, the branding, the social media, everything is so fun, so cute, so upbeat, and just, it it just makes you happy. It just, it's so awesome. What, what did it look like to build that team? Because gosh, you had your hands in so many things. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny thinking back then, I mean, you know, social media was just you know, starting or at right. least I was not aware of what was going on in social media <laughs> at the time. And so that was very new. Um, you know, every, it was all new because based on my background, but, um, you know, the beauty of, um, 
that Michael and I together is our strengths are definitely in different areas. Mm. And um, I think from the beginning, we um, definitely prioritized surrounding ourselves with, um, you know, the right people, Mm. passionate, smart, open-minded and scrappy. Um, And we knew, you know, we knew what we didn't know. And um, while that, you know, not knowing things definitely helped us help propel us and helped be help us be more innovative and not take no because we just didn't we didn't know what was what we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> um, so that was a you know that was good, but we also knew that we needed to you know surround ourselves with with people who were more experienced, and mm. um, so we did build a, a team um, that you know, that had experience in the business, um, but, you know, both in specifically in, in ice cream and food, um, to help us, uh, in the beginning with the retail spot and then later on to get into the supermarkets. Cause that's a whole nother animal. Hmm. Uh, but I think we just naturally gravitated towards the areas that we, you know, were more comfortable in. Hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, the one thing about starting, something like this later in life or after you've already been in a different career is that you mm. do have you have experiences under your belt and you have connections and contacts and mm. um you know we knew we had friends who in different areas that could kind of ha- help us along and and um pinpoint exactly where we would need the help and um it was just you know a learning learning something every day and and definitely learning on the job and as we oh. as we as we went. And it sounds like it was a bit of a family affair. What did your kiddos think? Or were they old enough to, to walk into that first store and be proud of mom? Or were they, were they yet too young to remember? Well, it's, so it's a family affair, affair in many aspects. because <laughs> my So like I said, my partner is basically family. And then my CFO who came along pretty soon after we started is Michael's um, cousin. Oh, wow. And so, so it always, it, it feels very familial in our, well, what was once our offices were now all remote, but um, <laughs> we really tried to kind of create that, that kind of sense of family in, mm. in as a work environment. Um, mm. But my kids, I think that's what made, you know, starting this and working at it when they were so young, mm. um, much much more easy for me. It was because they were so invested in it. I mean, they were, they were very young, so they didn't quite understand what was going on. Right. My older one, you know, was old enough to come to the store and, and, um, she was, you know, she had her friends. I have a picture of all them online outside the first day we opened. Um, they really feel a part of it. You know, Mm. they feel like, um, it was inspired, by, you know, the idea of wanting to, to feed them well. And they know that, Mm. you know, always consulting them with, um, whether it's flavors or packaging ideas, and they certainly, um, are helping me on the social media, um, (laughs) because no matter how much I think I know, they know more and know it before me. And, um, you know, they're at that age now where they can, you know, my daughter just, um, recently, you know, gave me a lecture on how we need to be on TikTok and, you know, lambasting me for not having put it up yet. And, um, we just did that actually yesterday. Oh, I love it. (laughs) She finally forced me to do it. But, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, that, that part of it just makes, 
makes uh, the balance of, of work life a little easier, just knowing that they, you know, they just love, they love all things Chloe's and they feel a part of it. Oh, it's so sweet and so cool to hear that they are encouraged and, of course, proud of their mom. Well, it's fun to kind of span over quite a few years here. I mean, we're talking about store openings, pop-ups, and then we've even mentioned going into grocery stores. I'd love to know that was there a moment that you maybe looked around, I don't know if it was at a store or maybe in a meeting or something, maybe you looked at your partner and said, okay, this is going to work. Like, was there ever a moment that you thought, we're on to something. I mean, I think, I think even that the, the first day, you know, the first mm. day we opened our first store was yeah. very rewarding. I think leading into it, you know, we thought it was a fantastic idea, obviously. <laughs> we had support, you know, around us. And, um, but, you know, seeing the, the reaction that we got in those first few months, um, mainly not just from like people who enjoyed it and liked having the treat, but from the feedback we got from parents with kids who had allergies or, mm. you know, food sensitivities and that they couldn't necessarily participate in, you know, snack time or birthday Aww. party and that this was a true, you know, relief for them. That was like one of those moments where like, you know, we're, we're definitely not where we need to be, but then we're on to something. Wow. And, um, you know, especially with just, you know, allergies and, and um, food sensitivities kind of on the rise and more, more um, apparent and um, on people's minds more. We just thought there, you know, we had, we had so much we could do with it. And then I'd say the, the real, the real moment when, when the camp ordered those pops and we were like, <laughs> now we can really get this into more people's hands. We were just like, okay, we were focused on the wrong thing and this is where we need to be and we're going to we're going to pivot and we're going to shift the whole plan from from the stores to the supermarkets and wow. that was that was the real big moment for us yeah that's huge i mean and for you guys to really recognize like look at this look how much people love it look how well maybe not easy but look at how we can package it and get it into people's yeah. hands tell us a little bit about because i know something at least something i would be so proud of if i was on your team and i'm sure everybody is is the amount of stores you guys are in. I mean, you are nationwide. You're all over the place now. Tell us a little bit about what it looked like to to get into grocery stores. I mean, that that's so many so many people who have an idea, maybe it's a bar or maybe it's, you know, a, a healthy pack snack or something, you know, you've really stepped into an amazing area of success in in this regard. So, what did it look like to speak with grocery stores? What, you know, what was it like to see it in a store for the first time? What did that process look like? Um, so it's definitely evolved over time. In the very beginning, we, um, we kind of were using our contacts and connections that we had. And mm. um, back in 2014, when we, we got into our first grocery store in, in Texas, in 175 stores, um, it was very, you know, it was exclusive to them and we kind of let them help us with the packaging and we really um, let them guide us. And when we look back on that package, we're like, oh, what were we thinking? <laughs> I mean, it was not right. But, um, you know, we were learning and we were trying to make the most of an opportunity and it, it yes. definitely got put in the door. And, um, you know, over the years, 
uh, I would say it's it's about really building relationships and mm. working as a partner um, to these retailers that you know have to sell your product and. Mm. We try to support them in every way we can um, in terms of like marketing dollars and, um, you know, just whether it's PR or social or um, showing them that like our priority is them as, you know, as well as our, you know, their customers, our customer. And um, it's really a partnership. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's something that that we feel strongly about with all our uh, partners, whether it's our our manufacturers, our co-packers, all you know, along the way, you really have to find the right partners and um, you know, lean on them and support them. And um, that was that's really the case with these with the supermarkets. They you know they we have the small ones and then you have the big ones, and you need to make it very personal. And um, uh, my partner Michael is the one who's on the road, going and selling and doing the faces face to faces, which now is. Uh, more on Zoom, but um, <laughs> you know he's 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 fantastic at that as well. And um, you know it, de- it definitely doesn't get easy. You know you have to prove yourself and you have to sell um, and get off the shelves. So that's where all all the other hard work comes in. Oh wow, it, it's amazing to think about the steps because even as we're we're kind of skimming over some of the total total details, but I'm just thinking of you guys in the kitchen with those old bananas <laughs> and then figuring out, okay, we need this, this weird kind of machine that not everybody has. Let's move forward with that. So now the production element and, and manufacturing and then packaging. I mean, those of you who are listening, just think of the steps that, that Chloe and her team have taken for us to be able to now talk about you being in stores. Originally, when we were in our kitchen, we thought we were going to have to like create our own machine. We didn't even, we we were like, okay, now we're going to get, you know, we're going to look into machinery and get a patent. And like, we were, you know, we barked up a lot of wrong trees before we figured out the right way to go. (laughs) But that's what you have to do. And that's why I think your story and your business is so impressive because there were so many entities that you guys had to figure out. And, And I'm, I'm taking, this is a crazy thought here, but I'm guessing perhaps when you were an assistant district attorney, you may not have known what a food scientist was. I mean, maybe you did. I don't know that I would have. So for you to be able (laughs) to figure it out as you go and for us to be talking about it now, I mean, this is like, this is such a cool and such an encouraging conversation for me. I mean, there's been so many highlights and and we've touched on quite a few moments um, throughout your career that have been like, okay, wow, this we're we're on to something, et cetera. Um, But I'd love to know, are there any instances that you can look back on that perhaps failure shaped uh, your career or a specific entity in the business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've definitely had our, our fair share of failures, <laughs> but I think like the our, all of our best learnings and lessons have definitely come from the failures. Um, mm. So, you know, it's a, it's it, in the end kind of, you can look at them as, as successes because we now know what to avoid or not what, you know, what not to do. Um, mm. I would say our our biggest failure and the one that you know the one that's most glaring that I kind of that always like lingers in my mind <laughs> um, was we we um, started a food truck um, oh. in in Montauk in Long Island one summer because we no longer had the pop up and we really had a strong following out there and we thought it would be great and everyone we talked to was like how do you not have a truck you know. Wow. 
whether it was people in the industry, outside the industry, everyone was like, truck is a no-brainer for you. And um, we were able to get uh, a truck in a in and you know really you know soup it up and and make it look spectacular and beautiful with our branding and we got a great spot on the beach in Montauk oh. um, and it just seemed like it would be a no brainer but it was anything but that and it wow. was a real distraction um, from from our everyday business and from our objectives wow um, so I think you know it, it it was this gorgeous truck parked in a prime spot but it became like all consuming. Um, wow. It demanded like endless time and energy and resources and manpower. Mm. And um, I think for us, it was a real lesson um, on, you know, that there are just, there are always going to be these fun or sexy opportunities that that present themselves, but you have to really be able to evaluate them and and see how it affects your your real objective and and need to avoid, you know, the tempting distractions because they can quickly become all-consuming. Um, so that's a lesson that I think we remind ourselves of all the time when something mm. comes up that's like, ooh, that could be fun, you know? Mm. And we have to really take a step back and say, you know, is this going to help us get to where, you know, where we want to be? Well, such good advice because I think, too, so many – it's almost like a shiny object situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, look over here. Oh, yeah. look, look over there. And sometimes for no rhyme or reason, because that sounds – I would have been at that truck. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> awesome. For some, But for sometimes, you know, no rhyme or reason, again, it, it, things don't take off. What did it look like to close the door on that? Was that uh, challenging? Was that a call that you were able to make? Uh, you know, for uh-huh. someone who's listening, how would you encourage them to, to be able to, to step away and keep pushing? forward. Yeah, we, it, it was almost, it was, we had to do it. It was just, not only were we not based out there. Um, so that was even, Uh, you know, harder for us to even manage and operate day to day. It was constant. Um, there were just constant challenges with it. So it was tough to walk away only because, you know, we'd invested a lot in it and we need to now figure out how to just, you know, get rid of the truck and those Mm. kinds of things. But as far as a decision to move on, it was pretty clear that this wasn't the right, um, the right move for us. So, so making the decision was pretty easy. Um, mm. We felt like we gave it a go. It didn't work, um, and you know we had to deal with the consequences. But um, we were able to to uh, make the most of it. And people still talk about the truck and how much they <laughs> love the truck. They remember seeing it there, and they remember seeing it parked in in their fish market. You know, because. Oh. Overnight, and um, so you know, there, there, we can look back on it, and now we can laugh. But then it wasn't so funny. <laughs> now mm. we can look at it fondly. Well, that's yeah. a, that's, a, that's a really great encouragement, though, because again, you know, even many of my listeners, you guys, are entrepreneurs, and you're you're trying to step out and figure this out, and that just might be a great encouragement from Chloe. Uh, her comment on you know there was constant challenges around this, and if that's something that you're recognizing, you're working on a project, you're like, wow, dang, this stuff is just not coming together. You can also have the courage to to step away and to focus in on what it is that's really going to take, have you guys take off. I love it. Um, Well, tell me this, because it's fun to hear about situations where you're able to to step away and whatnot, but what was a real wow moment in your career? Um, I mean, the wow, I think was really, you know, the the pop moment um, Mm -hmm. when we we moved from from the the soft serve to the pops. Um, But... I mean, a wow moment, I guess, just, you know, 
kind of sitting in my kitchen at 10 o'clock at night when we were just conceiving of this idea. And like, Mm. I had like babies and (laughs) we were just working. Michael was working some, uh, you know, he was in finance and I was transitioning and we would just meet when they were asleep, you know, and we would sit around the kitchen table and order food and um, just kind of brainstorm and try to figure out what we were doing. And, Mm. and it started to feel real. Um, and I rem- I mean, I still have like the boards that we made with the, you know, where we would draw out what the logo would look like. And, and, um, you know, that, that, that moment of just kind of seeing it become a reality was, uh, is, is, was fascinating and exciting, but I guess to follow up on that, you know, now when I go to the supermarket and see the pops, there's just, there's nothing like it. I mean, get all- yeah. <laughs> You've got to smile. I mean, to look over in the the freezer section and be like, "Yeah, I created that." That's kind of cool. <laughs> well, my you know my kids, while they you know they're so supportive and so excited about everything, they like they're critics. You know, they like to teach <laughs> me and guide me, and so um, so cute. They're commenting on you know which you know which box looks great. And the other, we were um, we were in a supermarket in Montana. And they saw the kids pops, um, which we we have in partnership with Marvel. Uh, so there's Spider Man and there's um, oh my Avengers. gosh, and they they my son walked by and he he doesn't normally you know say much about about like you know the nitty gritty of it. He's more <laughs> he's more a flavor guy, but he was like, "Mom, your boxes really pop. They really stand out." Oh. And I was like, "Oh my god, I think that's like." That was the best feedback I'd ever had. Oh my gosh, how sweet. And yeah, to think of all the kids that are going by that and grabbing it and putting in their cart and showing mom. Oh my gosh. That's really cool. Oh my gosh. Well, there's been so many fun pieces throughout this conversation. And and I know those of you who are listening, you've been excited to hear. Oh my gosh. And if you're not familiar with Chloe's, I'm sure you've already looked her up. I'll give you a chance to to catch up with her shortly. Um, But I'd love to know what is, and this is a loaded one. I like to share that before I ask. What is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned and can share with my listeners? Um, I feel like, I feel like the, you know, the, the, just the, the, the lessons from, from the truck and staying, learning to stay focused, um, is definitely a a big one. Um, I think the lesson of really surrounding yourself with people who, um, are supportive is, is just invaluable. And I think what we've learned along the way is that, um, you know, having a cohesive team that works well together uh, is is critical. So if you have a weak team member, um, you know, one that doesn't have the work ethic or a bad attitude, or hmm. you know, cutting the cord quickly is is super important because you know it potentially really can affect and poison the whole team. Hmm. Um, so I think we've learned that, like, you know, while you want to be you want to be nice, but you you need to quickly kind of fix that situation because, um, it can, it can really, um, it can really affect your whole team. Mm, That's such good advice and such great wisdom to think, okay, if there's some red flags early on, pay attention Mm -hmm. to them, 
right? Yeah. Uh, go with your gut. And Chloe has built an amazing team. I love, there's been so many different themes throughout this conversation. Of course, one has been family. It's so cool to hear the inside scoop of Chloe. There's so many different family elements, family-like relationships. And then that partnership element, I've heard you mention it over and over again, just to have those great relationships with partners. So it's really cool to hear that that's wrapped into one of the greatest lessons perhaps you have learned. Um, I'd love to know too, what are you learning now? Uh, I'm learning seventh grade math. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm also reminded of of how I and why I never liked math. But um, with with the kids home from school a lot, I've, I've had to kind of adapt and um, you know, play role, teacher role a little bit here and there. And um, <laughs> so I've been brushing up on those skills. Um, and I think, I think just like this whole year, you know, generally has, has I'm learning just, you know, how to adjust to the unexpected. Mm. Um, you know, I think, you know, the past year was definitely challenging and, and everything was, you know, not as expected. And, um, you know, I just learned the importance of, of perspective and gratitude and perseverance. Mm. Um, you know, we launched seven new SKUs at the start of the pandemic, um, and store resets were delayed and, and, you know, people weren't really treasure hunting in the supermarket, looking for new products to try. You were in and Mm. you were out. So launching in that um, environment was definitely challenging. Um, so, you know, but we, we survived and we thrived and, and we're just learning as we go, but you have to really be able to, uh, you know, adjust. Wow. Well, so impressive too. I mean, you just said something and and for those of us listening, this would not be something that we we would think of, but yeah, during the pandemic, people aren't, you know, lingering in the grocery store. They're mm-hmm. in and out. They're not looking for their new favorite thing. So, even to hear that that was something that you were dealing with. Oh my gosh. Wow. That that's that's crazy to think about. It's fun to hear. I know you guys have done some amazing collaborations. And like I mentioned earlier, you guys, I have actually tried some of these pops and I really love the oat milk ones. I just got to throw that out there. If you're looking to try one, that was my personal favorite. Um, But we know after speaking with you today, Chloe, there's always something coming up for you guys. So what's next for you? Um, So, you know, it it seems like you're always in the innovation phase because Mm. uh, we just literally finished launching three new oat milk pops. Um, we launched our cookies and cream, our brownie batter, and our peanut chocolate peanut butter. Oh my gosh! Uh, oat milk, which was you know in addition to the three that we launched at the beginning of COVID that I referenced, which we were we were at the time the first oat milk based pop on the market. Wow. Um, then we just launched our no sugar added strawberry pop, which just uses only natural sweeteners. So there's um, nothing artificial. Mm. And, um, you know, we're now moving on to the next stage, which is, you know, working on our next line extensions and partnerships and, oh. and concepts. Um, so it just feels like whether, you know, whether you're at the brainstorming um, stage or the development or, mm. you know, the perfecting or the marketing, um, you always really have to just be on to the next. So, oh. um, you know, while I can't, you know, I can't say what we're actually thinking about, we're, <laughs> we're, we are definitely in the process of starting that again. Um, just having finished, uh, launching 
this latest round of of new innovation. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. St- I'm excited. I know we're all gonna stay tuned. This has been so much fun. I, I so appreciate your time. I- I'd love to know though. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Um, I guess just you know I had mentioned the you know seeing seeing everything in, in supermarkets, but. Mm. Recently, had our kids pops uh, the Marvel partnership um, launch in Whole Foods, ah, which yes. is a huge deal for us. And um, they're, they're really the only kids licensed, um, you know, frozen novelty there. Oh. Um, and so that's super exciting. And we are we last year. During COVID, we had he launched our lime pop and our dipped coconut, and oh. we now have a combo pack of that that's at Sam's Club. Oh which my gosh! Exclusive to Sam's Club, which is you know a new thing for us as well. Um, and yeah, just like if you have trouble finding us, definitely reach out to me, and I can always guide you to the right uh, market. Um, it's not always easy to find what you're looking for, but um, we definitely value you know feedback and questions. And we have an amazing customer service um, team that's like, you know, focused on helping everyone find find their Chloe's fix. Uh, yes. And you guys, if you find one that you love, be sure to take a picture, tag us. It would be so fun to see everybody out in the grocery stores finding Chloe's. That would be awesome. Well, mm-hmm. Chloe, it's been so fun to hear the theme. There, again, I've mentioned it. There's been so many different themes throughout this conversation, but one that really resonates with me and with how she do that podcast would be the relationship element. And I just love to ask my guest who do they know that should maybe come on and share their how'd she do that story? Uh, you know, I think that's a tough one because I do have, I have so many inspirational women <laughs> in my life. I really do. And I think all of them would be fascinating to hear tell their stories. But um, I have, so this is just top of mind because I am actually working with her now. Oh. Um, a longtime friend of mine um, has her own interior design firm that she started. Wow. Uh, her name is Jenny Fishback. It's Jenny Fishback Designs. And um, truly like in awe of how she manages her business and her family. And um, it's a really saturated field. And I think um, she's really set herself apart and she's been in interior design her whole life. And um, as soon as she like took the step of going out on her own, she's just been kicking butt. And um, I think it's a, it's a, a fun, cool story. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you for the awesome recommendation. You guys will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Jenny. Well, I have been teasing this. I'm sure many of you have already found Chloe on Instagram. You may have already ordered some pops online. But Chloe, where can listeners connect with you? Uh, I think best is on Instagram, um, Chloe's Fruit. We're also on Facebook, Chloe's Fruit. And we, like I said, we just started our TikTok account. So fun. (laughs) Chloe's dot fruit. And um, I'm going to see how, you know, how much I can oh. be available there. But um, I think Instagram and email, always email. You can email info at Chloe's. I get those emails and um, I love hearing from from everyone. So Awesome. Oh, well, you guys, we look forward to hearing from you all. I know that today's conversation has been so encouraging and inspiring. Chloe, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was really great speaking to you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. Please join us next Tuesday for a new episode. 
talk to you soon.